coach comes up and he takes the towel off. He goes, get back out there. What are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm making it about me. It's not about me. So I put the towel away, went back to the pool edge and cheered on everybody. Welcome to Christ in All Things, a conversation about meaning and purpose. It's based on a Bible verse, Colossians 1:17, which says, Christ is before all things and in him all things hold together. Christ in All Things is a listening ear into conversations about receiving and giving the love and hope of Christ. And these conversations, they are an invitation because as you'll hear, and as much as we enjoy having them, Digital media operates from a distance, and that is not what's best for us, with God, or with one another. So, thanks for listening. And if you're in the neighborhood, we invite you to participate in person in the life that finds its epicenter at St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. Hello, listeners, and welcome uh, to Christ in All Things. Today, we have with us uh, a very special guest. Uh, Pastor O'Donnell and I are here to chat with Jill George, who uh, many of you may know was just this year voted, nominated, and selected <laughs> as the Principal of the Year. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. In th this, in this year of our Lord, 2022. 22. Jill, yes. uh, we have uh, some questions, and we, we fed you kind of the questions ahead of time. Yep. And gave you time to think about it. Uh, but the first thing we want to ask to all of our guests is, what is your name? And do you know what it means? Do you want all the pieces, or? Sure. Okay. Well, let's just take it one piece at a time. Sure. Um, well, Jill, the meaning that I always went with or knew of was youthful, which I thought was pretty appropriate. I'm rather Im immature. Like I'm, I'm kind of stuck at a seventh grade level. Y you said it, I didn't. I know. <laughs> okay. I teed up for myself, yeah, which was why being a seventh grade homeroom teacher was fantastic. They were right in my you know, maturity level. Right in your wheelhouse, as it were. With bad jokes and sure. weird smells. Yeah. Nice. So youthful girl, uh, youthful. Right, it's a Greek and Latin base. Okay. It actually can mean child of the gods, uh, which, if we would say it rightly, we would say child of God. Of the God. Yeah, of the God. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, middle name. Margaret. Meaning. A pearl. Yeah. yeah. Which you know, it, it just says pearl. So is that pearl of wisdom? No. No. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Me means you're a daughter of white people. Of white <laughs> And that is very accurate. My father was the whitest white person ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, maiden name. Brehm, B-R-E-H-M. Some people say Brehm. For some reason, my dad and his family was very adamant that it was Brehm. Do you know what that one means? Well, I said the other day, grumpy old guy. <laughs> because I somehow... It's, it's actually not too far right, off. Right. Somehow that stuck in my head. Yeah. So So we did a little digging. Uh it means restless cantankerous man. <laughs> Grumpy old guy is not too far off, right? I'm thinking Walter Matthau. Right. You crazy kids get off my lawn. <laughs> right? Uh, it can also mean swampy bank. 
Where, where, where did you find that? Where did you that? find that one? Uh, just God bless list. Google. It, yeah, amen, right? <laughs> Thank goodness right. for Google. And, and then there was Google. Uh, we had one of those coat of arms sure. back oh, yeah. in the 70s when they were so popular and they were made out of plastic and, you know. Um, I wish I could remember what the symbol was for the family on there because my dad had the brain coat of arms yeah. hanging on our fireplace. Yeah, I actually saw that when I was digging for the, for the name. Oh, did you? Do yeah, you remember I what sh- the fi- no. picture was? Okay. I should have printed it out yeah. for you. That would have been fun. So should remember to do that from now on. Was the first part restless? Yeah. So that, that very much describes my father and um, consequently my sisters and I. Interesting. I joke that it was kind of a, a rule that sitting and relaxing is a sin. Huh. My father never sat still, was going, going, going. My oldest sister was the same. My middle sister is the same. I am the same. We go and we go and we go. And then drop. Right. Sometimes <laughs> in a very dramatic fashion. Yeah. Um, and then the cantankerous part, well, yeah, I mean, naturally, I, I can be grouchy. Um, my dad, I always think about my dad. My dad was like um, good time Charlie. He knew everybody. He shook everybody's hand. I don't care if we were in an airport in Hawaii or in Florida or wherever we were, my dad ran across somebody that he knew, which has often happened to me as well. Um, But when we celebrated his 60th birthday, I think it was, a lot of his um, uh, coworkers, or not coworkers, but uh, business associates came to the birthday party. And one of them, I don't know, can I say this word? You may have to edit this out. One of them wrote a poem called Brain because my dad, <laughs> <laughs> my dad says a lot, doesn't it? He was a complainer about his own health. Okay. He was a hypochondriac. Sure. And so his um, internist probably bought a new Mercedes every couple of years based on all the visits my dad had in his office. Something was always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Wild and crazy. Okay. So youthful pearl that's restless mm-hmm. that's joe right? <laughs> uh and i actually think it fits quite nicely so now the question is yeah is there a story behind why that's your name uh, a little bit um so my parents were both grew up on the south side of milwaukee 22nd in orchard and 27th and Layton boulevard so they were down in the thick of it and at some point they decided to move to the country, which at the time was Elm Grove. Way out there. Way out there. And it literally was way out there at the time. Yeah. They were on North Avenue and 136th Street. So on North Avenue and Lily Road used to be Grosh's grocery store, which very recently just got torn down after the Grosh family sold it to the um, Sendix family, and then they tore it down. Um. Mrs. Grosh was pregnant at the same time my mother was. And it was hot. I was born in July. And the, both of these big ladies and my mom would waddle the block and a half to the grocery store. And uh, did, she, did Mrs. Grosh have her baby yet? And finally, one day when she couldn't go to the store, my oldest sister went and she came home. Mrs. Grosh had her baby. What's the baby's name? Margie. My mom's like, I love that name. All right. We want to name me Margaret. And my dad said, I, I don't like that name. I want it to be Jill. And my mom said, what 40-year-old woman do we know that's named Jill? And my dad said, I don't know, but we'll know one. (laughs) And he won out. So it was Jill and then Margaret. So my mom got that part. Sure. 
her intention was to call me Margie. I, I'm now glad that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And apparently if I was a boy, I was going to be J. Philip or Philip J. I think it was J. Philip. I don't like that either. So J.P. Brame. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. So we we don't just call her JP. JP, there you go. Yeah. Uh, in college, I was Princess Jill Margaret. By your friends? Yes, <laughs> I was the captain of the swim team, so they were like <laughs> Princess Jill Margaret. So we'd drape a towel around me, and I'd walk nice. around the parade place. <laughs> Very nice. I can see that. Yeah, <laughs> that could work. That could so, work. but I was Jilly Bean from the get go. Okay. And um, was that Dad's thing or Mom's thing? Uh, probably my dad. My dad was more of a nickname person. Um, but I had t-shirts, my, my actual, uh, my dad bought me a car when I graduated from college. My license plate was Jilly B cause the bean part wouldn't fit. Um, my great nephews and nieces all call me Auntie Jilly Bean. Hmm. Um, so that's just who I am. Yeah. Love it. So the other question we ask you, yeah. what we hope to be the meat of the conversation yeah. is can, can you name the top three to five things that formed you into the human being you are? It's a, it's a big question. It's a really well, big question. That's why we fed it ahead of time right. so you could think about it. Well, I think at the time you're going through something, you don't know that that's what's forming you. Yeah. And it's only later that you look back and go, oh, that was probably a pivotal moment. Um, hmm. Well, being in this building and working with kids and teaching and everything, um, this, beca- this has become clearer to me more and more in the last five to ten years than any other time in my life. And I refer to him all the time, and that's uh, Paul Gritzmacher, my seventh grade teacher at Elm Grove Lutheran. So I went to public grade school through sixth grade. Um, my sisters, being six and ten and a half years older than me, both experienced bad things in the public school. Um, especially my middle sister had a really bad junior high experience. So when it came time for me to go to junior high, my mom and dad were like, ah, we don't want to do that. And there was talk of um, teacher strikes at the time. And my mom thought that was ridiculous. She had been serving as the secretary um, for the church board at Elm Grove for years. And so I was used to going over there with her to print the bulletin on the Mimeo machine yeah. and whoosh, smelling whoosh, the purple. And so, that, and so that was your home parish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Elm Grove. Yeah, and so actually my mom was part of the group that they walked. The original church was on Watertown Plank Road, and then they built the one on Verdant Drive, and my mom was part of the group of people that paraded from the old building to the new oh, building. Wow. So I don't remember any of that. But anyway, so I was used to going to the building, and my mom was very active in the church, and now, now we're going to send you there for seventh grade. Uh, I don't care. I was shy. I don't care where I go. Just take me to school. But um, realizing now. You said something right there. You were shy. I know. I was painfully shy. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I I was literally the shadow behind my best friend for 12 years. We were brought together when I was three months old and she was six months old. Our moms would take turns. We lived in the same neighborhood. Um, I was in her shadow for 12 years. You guys are still friends? Um, through Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last time we were face-to-face was when we were about 32 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Her parents, like, started Elmbrook Church in their living room in the 1950s. So there's a whole story behind that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but when I think back now on Mr. Gritzmacher, there were 36 kids in our Is class. that Lynn Gritzmacher? Well, Paul is Paul. his name. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember his wife's name. But his daughter, Heidi, comes to church here on Saturday oh. nights. Heidi Bauer. 
um, there were 36 kids in that class. Wow. And seven of us were new my seventh grade year. A set of identical triplets, all blonde-haired with the names Jocelyn, Jennifer, and Jackie. Identical triplets? Identical triplets. And then Jill, me, with blonde hair. And then a set of twins. One was blonde and named Julia. So Jackie, Jennifer, Jocelyn, Jill, Julia, all blonde, and three of them identical. And then Kim and Francesca, (laughs) two brown-haired girls. Uh, It wasn't, I mean, I just felt comfortable immediately with him. And later on came to realize, oh, my goodness, that man loved me. And mm. not just me, he loved everybody. And he actually cared. Yeah. That even though I have a couple teachers from public grade school that I remember, I don't have that like tug in my heart that I do. With this is this is interesting to me that that's number one on your list. Mm-hmm. Your I, your seventh grade your seventh grade teacher. Mm-hmm. So because he loved you showed interest in you. What, what else was it about him? It's the first time I recall actually learning something that mm. has stuck with me. Like, <laughs> and anyone who's ever had them, if I mention Mr. Gritzmacher, the first thing they'll say is, oh, the preposition poem. I'm like, yes, the preposition poem. So I used to teach it to my students here. And when I've been on the phone with my niece, who also had him, she's 42 this year. I'm like, Megan, do you remember the preposition poem? She goes, sure do. And then we'll both say it together. So what's the preposition poem? Until, by, into, after, from, across, against, with, toward, on, among, around, along, up, to, beside, beyond, below, at, through, upon, in, for, beneath, between, beside, before, without, within, up, over, under, down, about, underneath, except, throughout. Marvelous. (laughs) That's his legacy. And there you have it. There you go. I suppose so. I can't rattle all those off, so right. that's that's fantastic, right? Right. It's been stuck there for now. How old am I? Yeah. Uh, 45 I years. Yeah, no, it was, there was just something about him. And, it, and you know, at the time, I didn't realize it. Looking back now, it's like the only explanation that makes sense to me is that his faith and his love of Christ that he then shared with all of us is just, it so all worked. How did, so how did he do that? That... That's like the Jack Palance, the one thing <laughs> from City Slickers. I, oh gosh, I don't know. I just was like, hmm. He, he was calm. He was even keeled. Like he wasn't a mercurial person with his emotions. He definitely showed his emotions though. Like if we were being naughty, he would show frustration and anger. Um, but you always just knew he cared about you. There was no like, oh, he's just dialing it in. He showed up to do a job. It went so much beyond that. I'm trying to figure out how I want to ask this question. Yeah. Did you learn from watching him kind of how to figure or how to know when someone was dialing it in? Or did it, did it reveal how other people maybe did just show up and do a job? Again, not at the time, right. but certainly when you go back and compare. Um, and certainly someone who, who actually loves kids and is aware of a bigger picture here, like, you know, that you do have to differentiate, even though that wasn't a word back in 1974 in, in teaching. 
you had to differentiate for your students and figure out how you were going to reach them and help them grow and learn. In, in other words, recognize that each child is unique and mm -hmm. adjust your teaching to meet those different. Right, right. And I don't recall him necessarily being like meeting with me one-on-one, -on -one, and maybe that happened. I just don't remember that. Um, but certainly I never felt less than. Um, I felt like, oh, I could actually do this. Like I was not a good student. I just, you know, it wasn't important to me. So Mr. Gertzmacher is number one. He's number one. What's Num next? <laughs> Big, giant, dramatic things probably pop out. So I guess the death of my sister, mm. which was really, you know, that came out of left field for everybody. How old were you when she died? 39. Okay. So it's 22 years this August. Um, so she was like... When I was born, she was 10 and a half years old. Um, my mother was not a person that loved babies. <laughs> so, so when she liked older kids, Got but it. like, eh, you know, babies, whatever. Um, so when she brought me home, Joellen, that was my sister's name, she grabbed me and said, this is my baby. Mm. And she took care of me. We just had a... I was always very connected to her. So in many ways, she was my best friend. Um, she was my other mom. There was, you know, from a, a, there was a chunk of time where she wasn't in my life because she went off to college when I was eight and didn't come back home until I was about 16. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just depended on her for a lot. So that's number two. Number two. Number yeah. three. I... I I feel like I should probably say, oh, marrying my husband or <laughs> having my children, like, you know, the things you expect. Yeah, yeah but we don't no, want to know that. Yeah, no. But that's not what we asked you. What, yeah. Right. What did you say, what right. formed you as a human being? You said right. your seventh grade teacher, the death of your, the so death sure. of your older sister. Well, then there's like a toss up. So coming to St. Paul's obviously was a big thing for me and has been now for 22 years. But the other thing that was really impactful for me for the long haul was being involved in competitive swimming. Sure. How so? Um, when you're in a swim practice or in a swim meet, you're on your own. Your face is down in that water or facing up to the sky. You are all alone. No one is helping you. There's no one to talk to. You can sort of hear people cheering for you, <laughs> but you're on your own, right? It's up to you to win it or not win it. So my, my daughter swam competitively for a little while, and uh, we, would, we would, as her family, cheer for her. Right. Knowing full well, there's no way she can hear us, right? Uh, so talk about that experience from the swimmer's side, from mm -hmm. knowing there's people out there that are watching. Right. Maybe they're even cheering, but it's on you. Right. Um, it can be burdensome, right? Like if you're in a relay. For example, I have a clear memory of um, I, my, my summer swim team. They called it the lemonade circuit because it was all the country clubs. And so um, the kids that were not in the lemonade circuit or in AAU swimming or club swimming. Um, but we had a very competitive, um, undefeated team at Westmore Country Club that didn't lose a meet for four or five years. Wow. Um, and our coach was amazing. Um, it turns out he's only a couple years older than I am, but when you're 13, 14, and he's a sophomore in high school, and just, you know, built and tan and you know, a good swimmer himself, you just think of him as an adult. But th at such a young age, he had such a beautiful way of working with kids. And we had over 100 kids on this team. 
it was insane. Wow. Um, anyway, we had a meet in the evening one time, and um, it was the medley relay. So you'll, the first person in the water does the backstroke, then the second one breaststroke, then butterfly, then freestyle. And at the time, I was the backstroker. So we had an A and a B relay, and this was the A relay. So I take off, and I'm swimming along, and the sun is setting in my eyes, and it's an outdoor pool. And I come across the flags, so I don't know if you know anything about yep. backstroke. Right. Well, you do. Your daughter swam, right? So you hit the flags and yep. you start counting. And I'm counting like, okay, I should be there. And my, I put my right hand back to flip and my hand hits something. So I'm like, oh, here's the wall. And I go to flip and there's nothing there for my feet to touch. And I realize I didn't touch the wall. I swam crooked because the sun was in my eyes and I hit the lane line. So I missed the wall and had to do some scrambling to go and touch the wall. I can't remember if they actually disqualified me, which then the whole relay was disqualified, which yeah. I think is what they did. But um, either way, I knew I blew it. And, you know, when you're 13, 14, like, this meet is your world. And so I have to finish. So I'm swimming back, swimming back. And I get out of the pool. And in the meantime, the coach has flipped some of the swimmers from our A squad to the B squad so that the B squad has a chance of winning the race. And I stood there and I cheered everybody else on. And then when we finished, I just felt horrible and I walked away and I went and leaned against a wall and put a towel over my head and I started to cry. And about, I don't know, two minutes later, the coach comes up and he takes the towel off. He goes, get back out there. What are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, I'm making it about me. It's not about me. So I put the towel away, went back to the pool edge, and cheered on everybody. And then three years later, at the end of the year, he awards me the Sportsmanship of the Year Award, and he refers back to that moment. <laughs> so I don't know. That's formative. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You learned a lot. Yeah, I did. In that one moment. Mm -hmm. And so there are lots of events throughout the swimming career that, like, really – kept me humble or gave me opportunities to shine to the best of my ability. Um, in my sophomore year of high school, I was actually pretty good. And um, that particular year we had um, my, on my team um, a girl who was on the U.S. national traveling team. So wow. from the age of 12, she was already traveling to Russia and stuff, and her whole closet was filled with expensive swimsuits. And we happened to look like one another with our caps on. So people would often ask me if I was her. And I'm like, no, but would you like my autograph? <laughs> <laughs> um, so she was on the team. Um, we had national record holders on the team. And then a lot of the seniors that year were getting full ride scholarships to Clemson, University of Florida, places like that. So we, had a, swim we had a big, really great yeah. program. Um, so one of the girl that actually got the ride to Clemson, um, she got mono and got sick. Mm. And she was on the free relay, and I was the alternate, so I got her spot. And I'm like, yes, sophomore year, going to state. So we're at, for some reason, I feel like we're at UW-Whitewater, but I don't know what school you're at. Um, in the pool, warming up, and who do I see walking in but this girl with her parents? And I thought, are you kidding me? I think I know what's about to happen. And sure enough, the doctor had told her parents that he did not want her to swim, but... Her parents wanted her to swim because she's off going off to college. She needs a good season. 
Um, the doctor was worried because her spleen was enlarged that if she hit the pool wrong when she dove in, she could have burst her spleen. But, you know, when you're 17, 18, that's never going to happen, right? <laughs> who thinks about their spleen? Yeah, who needs a spleen? Yeah. So anyway, I was pulled from the relay, and um, she got in, and I didn't. And mm. from there on, you know, then I just sort of, like, leveled off. And then I got mono my senior year, and that was kind of that. So I did swim all the way through college. I wasn't going to. Um, I was like, I'm done. There's only so many times you can swim around the earth, and then you're done with it. And um, a friend of mine in college, actually, he said, you need to join the team. They don't have enough kids. So I joined, and then that was the, that was the best time of my life for swimming, those four years in college. Okay, so just to recap so far, yeah. we've got Mr. Gerdsmacher. Yep. Uh, the death of your sister. Yep. And s swimming competitively mm -hmm. on various teams. Yep. And all the moments that go along with it. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to dig well, into one of those a little deeper uh, and then see what else you come up with on your list of things that formed you. Okay. So we'll be right back. For show notes and other information about this or other episodes of Christ in All Things, visit ChristInAllThings.org. Comments may be emailed to comments at ChristInAllThings.org. To support Christ in All Things, click the donate page at either ChristInAllThings.org or SPLCO.org. In thanks for a one-time gift of $100 or more, you receive a pair of nerdy blue light blocking glasses with the Christ in All Things logo on them. Pastor Shockman loves these. That is so not true. Patrons who subscribe for a monthly gift of $20 or more will have early access to the show and receive some on-air clapping. As well as a pair of Wisconsin-made Christ in All Things hiking socks. Gifts of $1,000 or more will receive thunderous on-air clapping. <laughs> and a word of thanks. Plus a handmade leather Christ in All Things folio by the Murdy Creative Company. For a gift of $10,000 or more, we will go bleepin' bananas. <laughs> Do a happy dance and take the show on the road to your home or wherever it is you'd like to fly us to record with you. All post-production surplus supports youth ministry at St. Paul's. Thank you for your support. Christ in All Things is a production of St. Paul's Lutheran Church, 210 East Pleasant Street, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. For more information about St. Paul's, visit splco.org, email us at info at splco.org, or call us at 262-567-5001. Intro, outro music, setting by Joseph Hurl, copyright 1998, Concordia Publishing House, used with permission.